This is the Buzz Adams Morning Show Podcast. Barstool Talk Daily. Except it's really early in the morning and no booze. For the most part. Good morning. Happy Tuesday. Buzz Lee off today. He'll be back on Friday as he's off on vacation, hanging out with the family in Oklahoma. Still got Lisa Joanna here. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning. Good morning, Joanna. Good morning. Everybody have a good Monday. Everything uh, go as planned. Yeah. I mean, I, I I slept. I fell asleep. Like right when you got home. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of those. Y'all days, ever huh? do nap roulette and you're just like, well, I guess I just slept twelve hours. Yeah, I'll occasionally do that. It doesn't happen very often for me though. Because chances are there's something I'm going to have to be awake for within a couple of hours. Uh-huh. So, yeah. <laughs> How long did you sleep for? It was about 12 hours. Damn. Nice. Those are the best. Any problems getting in today? Because yet again, they're blocking off all the roadways for me to get in. Yes. What the hell is going on right here on Mesa? Right? Yeah. At first I thought, I'm like, I can't get to work. Because it said that the road was closed coming up for the one right here by the Jack in the Box. I mm-hmm. thought, I literally can't get to work right now. I had the same thing. Girl, me too. Except on the other side. <laughs> and it was to the point where I'm like, I I don't know if there's any access to me to get to work. Yeah. Whatsoever. They've completely blocked everything off. But thankfully we made it. We got a lot of stuff lined up for today. And then they have this weird sign that's like, oh, it'll be closed on the 8th. From 7 to 6 a.m. And I'm all, 6 a.m. the next day or yeah, right? yesterday? I think they're Thursday. doing it. <laughs> Which 6 a.m.? I think they're doing it all week, if I'm not mistaken. Great. If it's all week, too, you know what's going to happen then. When Friday uh, rolls around. We finally find an alternate route and they already opened it up. Buzz is going to get here at... Like oh, an hour late. Right, Buzz comes back on. Yeah. So well, and he's gonna be like, "Well, it was closed." Yeah, we're gonna get that frantic phone call from him, <laughs> where somehow he's out of breath while he's driving. <laughs> like I don't know how that's possible, but that happens frequently. Whenever he's running late, if it's uh, construction or he's picking. By the way, picking up a prescription at three a.m. Oh, I didn't I know. know how that Dude, was possible. Dude, we all know that he was just. You know, yeah. getting Jack in the Box. Okay. That's my favorite. And he goes, oh, traffic was terrible, but he, he still walks in with Jack in the Box. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't too terrible. And yet again, somehow out of breath. You Someone guys, should warn him. It's going to be closed on Monday. He forgets to breathe. A lot. Like he'll just be sitting in. <gasps> Apnea, baby. Apnea at its finest, right there, taking over. Like it's a Sunday night into Monday at 6 a.m. I-10 eastbound at Sunland. Complete closure. There you go. Someone needs to warn him. <laughs> nah. I don't know if he still takes I-10 or if he tries to take the other route. And so I think try. So Unless basically, he's going there's to talk two Vena. main roads on the side of the city in which we live that can get you to where we work, and there's construction on both. At 3 a.m. when we're all trying to get to work. But anyway, well, we still got a good show coming up. We're going to get to some coronavirus uh, updates. We're going to talk about the Hollywood Walk of Fame a little bit. I got five random facts for you. Um, 
And some experts were asked, when are you going to start shaking hands and sort of those things that went away over the past few months because of coronavirus? They're going to be uh, talking about that on the way. Uh, Lisa, what do we have coming up in news? Well, today we're going to go ahead and say goodbye. Mourners are gathering in Houston for the funeral of George Floyd. Uh, A 500-person service is going to take place, followed by a private burial where he will be laid to rest next to his mother. Al Sharpton will be delivering the eulogy. And this is the final event to honor him. It's um, on the heels of a six-hour public visitation that happened uh, yesterday. And almost... I was telling Joanna earlier, I'm like, it was almost like a a fraternity you never want to be a part of because it was Botham John's family was there. Uh, You had Michael Brown, his father, his family was there. Um, Eric Gardner, their family was there. So you had all these different families. Who've been through this. Yes, all there at the same time. And so it was a little shocking to hear from all the different families. But at the same time, it is, I guess, a little comforting to know that they are there for one another in this time but yeah a little shocking to see all of them there at the funeral together um but today will be the last service for george floyd before he is finally laid to rest joanna entertainment news what do we have Harry Potter himself, Daniel Radcliffe, has responded to J.K. Rowling's recent comments about gender and sex, which many have deemed transphobic. Wait, they're saying that J.K. Rowling is transphobic or Daniel that Radcliffe J.K. is? J.K. Rowling is J.K. transphobic. Rowling. And Harry Potter is responding to I thought to she was comments. like super progressive, you know, and it, Yo, was, and it, was, it was like, we, hey, so we all Dumbledore's did. gay. And it was like, oh, look at this. And, and, and then people on the other side were all uh, bent out of shape because like, oh, you, like, why did you have to She's do that? Very much burning every bridge, really, mm-hmm. at this point. Well, now I'm intrigued. Give me at least a little nugget. What did she say? She had, let me find the comments because it was something about people who menstruate. Right. Because I, I saw it over said, the weekend. People who menstruate, I'm sure there used to be a word for those people. She tweeted out on Saturday. She means like, they used to be women. Who used to menstruate. People who well, I mean, menstruate. That could be, that, who menstruate. I'm sure there used to be a word for those people. Someone help me out. Wumben? Wimpund? Woomud? What was the point of the... What was the point of the tweet? I don't... She was responding to... A, a, like an article... And in the article, I think the phrase was people who menstruate. And her response was, I'm sure there used to be a word for those people. Interesting. Well, I'm intrigued. We got that covered up in entertainment news. <laughs> I'll and- find a better way to explain it. <laughs> oh, okay. Now it makes sense. So she took issue with the wording of a headline for an opinion piece, which was opinion, creating a more equal post-COVID-19 world for people who menstruate. Now, the article they say was written um, uh, for a DVEX is the platform, I guess. But she said, people who menstruate. I sure they, I'm sure there used to be a word for this. Uh, woman, woman, woman. And then people were criticizing her for appearing to define a woman only as a person who menstruates. Well, I don't think she's trying to define a woman, but she's specifically talking about people who menstruate. I, I, okay, this is just my preliminary thoughts on this. I think people are overreacting to it, but I don't know that much about it. So I could be put, put my foot right in my mouth. I don't really know. But if, to me, it just seems like 
it's a, it's a big to do about nothing. If we really think that J.K. Rowling is a problem, I think we need to reevaluate what causes problems these days. She's been going off lately on Twitter, and her tweets have been really weird. Like, like is yeah. she like is she kind of going down that path of? crazy yeah where it's kind of like like yeah what's i mean going some on people did there? make a good point though because she was saying how a woman is a person who menstruates and people are saying okay so what about women who went through menopause are they not women anymore yeah yeah there you go like that was a good that was a really good response but then also you had people um who gave really good responses too, saying hey i am a, a trans person i don't menstruate are you saying i'm not a, i'm not an equivalent to a woman then either and so and that's when people started getting upset with it but i think it's one of those things where she tried to make a joke. It wasn't funny. And easy enough, you could just say, hey, you know what? My bad. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say this. I apologize. Is she kind and then of move on. sticking to her guns, though? Is that how it's coming off as, you know, people who, the, the backlash towards her, people are kind of, you know, stepping up and saying, or, or, or she is defending to the point of, okay, like, we're, we're all clearly not on the same page here. I, I think it was just a... I think it was just a poor, the joke was just in poor taste because in December she was actually tweeting about support for a woman uh, who lost her job um, against a former employer because she was a trans woman. Interesting. So I think it was just not, I I think it wasn't a good joke. Well, we're diving deep into this, man. Oh, let's do this book. Mm-hmm. Like, like, let's we'll do it in entertainment news. That's coming up in a few hours. Let's make sure that we um, let's try to do it before that too. Let's talk about that a couple of times today. Also, uh, coming up in sports, Major League Baseball. They got their proposal yesterday from the owners. It was for a seventy-six game season, covering up to seventy-five percent of the players' pro-rated salaries. And apparently, the players are poo-pooing the whole thing. They don't really want to do it. And then also, the Chicago Cubs president of baseball operations, Theo Epstein, he is saying that he needs to do a better job at being a better executive and that the majority of the people that he has hired look like him, have similar backgrounds to him, and he doesn't think that that's okay. So they're going to start a diversity committee to set better standards for themselves and also hold themselves accountable in the Chicago Cubs organization. It's the Buzz Adams Morning Show podcast. Coronavirus, we got some more stories here. We have good news stories from the coronavirus outbreak, and then we also have insanity. Which one would you like first? Good news. All right, let's go with the good news here. Because in case you didn't know, coronavirus is still a thing, ladies and gentlemen. It hasn't completely gone away. And somebody just tagged me in a tweet this morning, too, that shows how the numbers are just going up in Texas. Yeah. Ever since we reopened. Like, the trend is, it's it's a graph, and it shows it. I mean, it's not going straight up, but it's pretty stinking close. And the chart shows hospitalizations, not cases, because if it's showing you the amount of cases, you could always attribute that to, well, we have more tests. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So this one's showing the hospitalizations, so it doesn't have anything to do with the the side effect of testing. But we'll get to the, the good news here. At least one country has shown that this is not going to last forever. Can you name the country that has uh, removed almost all of its restrictions? Uh, 
have... New Zealand. I was going to say New Zealand. New Zealand is correct. Nice. As of yesterday, there were zero known cases of coronavirus over there. Oh, I also asked Shim if it was a thing that people from Australia would get upset if you confused them with being from New Zealand. Uh Uh-huh. He says no. But do not ever assume somebody from New Zealand is from Australia. Like, that's apparently very offensive to him. I know that from a Quentin Tarantino movie. Which one? Death Proof. Oh, yeah. He's notorious for using that uh, New Zealand actress, Zoe Bell. And they ask her, like, oh, are you from Australia? And she's like, never confuse someone from New Zealand from Australia. That's what Shim was saying. Uh, Two healthcare workers in the UK were supposed to get married last month, but of course they had to cancel it. So the boyfriend organized a surprise makeshift wedding at work with flowers and food based on what they would have had at their wedding. A bunch of co-workers were in on the surprise as well. See, some positive things can be taken out of this. A hotel in England has stayed open during the pandemic to give homeless people a free place to stay. And they've been returning the favor by doing odd jobs like gardening, cleaning up, and helping them build a new patio. Uh-huh. See, sometimes it just takes uh, a pandemic to get the best out of people. That's like that poem that we uh, read on the air yesterday. That was the, the synopsis of the poem was basically maybe 2020 is not canceled. Maybe 2020 is the year that we've all needed to kind of give us that kick in the ass mm-hmm. to do all the things that we should have been doing all along, but we've been too lazy or we've just been too hesitant to do any of it. It's a year of growth. Yeah. And some people think the lockdown was a huge overreaction and tanked the economy for no reason. But the first peer-reviewed study found it's actually made a huge difference. According to this study, it has prevented 600 million people in the United States from catching the virus and half a billion people worldwide. Of course, we're talking about the lockdown. You know, the thing that we started to end a few weeks ago because we felt that we needed to open up the economy. Mm -hmm. Now, look, I'm a firm believer that if you still abide by social distancing and if you're wearing a mask and you're being careful, we will be fine. But if you're going out, not wearing a mask, wiping your nose and then touching things or touching your face and then touching other things. Cramming yourself into a bar or a club or a restaurant or having a gigantic family gathering. Guess what? It's going to shoot right back up. We've already seen the numbers start to go back up since the lockdown started to end slowly and gradually. But it's going to get to the point where they might have to say, hey, go back home. This is why you guys aren't allowed out because you guys have proven that you, you can't. ruined it. Yeah. yeah, you guys have proven that you can't do this responsibly. All right, now we're moving over to some uh, coronavirus insanity. So here's some not so serious stories uh, that we've been able to see here about the coronavirus outbreak. The first one is a dog can sniff out coronavirus from your armpit. Huh. A new study out of France found trained detection dogs could find it. It's got a percentage here. At what percent do you think the dog that this is happening? Mm, Twenty. Okay, Joanna's locked in at twenty. Lisa, 
I would say lower than that. 83% of the Whoa. time. Oh, wow. A new study out of France found trained detection dogs could find it at least 83% of the time. How do I get my dog trained for that? I know. 7-Eleven in Japan is going to start selling life insurance. Interesting. So okay. people can avoid hanging or having to go to an insurance company's office during the pandemic. What? Say that again? <laughs> yeah. So 7-Eleven in Japan is going to start selling life insurance. So people can avoid having to go to an insurance company's office during the pandemic. Okay. Aren't the 7-Elevens in Japan supposed to be so, like, a big deal? I gotta look Like, it's up. not your average Are convenience they store. Yeah, like a Bucky's. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 they're Bucky's. 7-Eleven in Japan. Yeah, and they're very, like, elaborate and... 7-Eleven in Japan. We're all looking it up. Now. Yeah. I mean, it looks... Normal? Fairly standard. Okay. I mean, I mean, obviously, their foods and stuff like that are different. I found an article from Insider.com that has 12 unique foods that you can get. Um... But I think they're, like, made to be kind of like a one-stop place. Yeah, so more like a Bucky's. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder what some of these foods are. Well, I mean, if you're already going to the 7-Eleven, might as well get yourself some insurance. <laughs> yeah, sounds yeah. Like good to me. <laughs> um, ba ba ba. You could instant noodles, I guess, reign supreme at oh. 7-Eleven. Oh, those are so good. Over there. Sounds delicious. Soba noodles are fresh and topped with tempura. Ugh. Potato chip variety is on a whole nother level. Yeah, I mean, you've seen a lot of those ones. They have a uh, cheeseburger flavored chips. If I were to say um, waza beef, what would you think that that flavor is? I don't know, just like spicy beef, maybe? Yeah, wasabi and beef. Oh. That's what the, the potato chips. And then they have pizza. I mean, we have pizza-flavored potato chips. It's Pringles. Yeah. Let's be completely honest here. Once you pop, you can't stop. Fried chicken in Japan is an experience, is what this says. Yeah, don't they have for, like, Thanksgiving, KFC is the biggest thing? I think so. Isn't that what it is? Or Christmas. One of the two. They have dessert pancakes? Go on. Well, now I'm hungry. (laughs) That sounds really good. Dorayaki, I believe is what it's called here. It says... Um, the fluffy pancakes? Is it's like a Japanese is? pancake with whipped cream and sweet pudding inside of it. And it's like a little sandwich. Ooh. Yum. It looks quite delightful. I'm not going to lie. Well, there you go. So go pick yourself up uh, uh, Dorayaki and some you know, life insurance while you're 7-Eleven <laughs> in Japan, I guess. Uh, also, some more weird stories coming out, of these corona, uh, coming out of this coronavirus pandemic. You have a place called Sex Island out of Las Vegas. Okay. They are throwing a post-coronavirus orgy. Oh. Okay. Nice. So we won. With prostitutes. Oh. And it's happening in two weeks. That soon, eh? There are 50, <laughs> there are 50 tickets available. Here's what you get. Weed. <laughs> okay. Unlimited alcohol. Okay. And two girls per day. So take those three things into account. What do you think this is running? Ooh. Like, how much do you think you'd spend on that? Or how much do you how think a guy would spend on that? How what? How long is it? How long are you there? It doesn't really say here. 
It says it says per yeah, day. So per I'm day. guessing like like you're getting the weed, the unlimited alcohol, and then the two girls for one day. How much would you spend? Okay. Um five thousand. Okay. Lisa? I think it depends on how long you're there. I guess like just we're we're gonna base it on one day. One day. I would say two thousand. Forty-five hundred dollars. Oh, Joanna's closer. That's uh, what we're looking at there. Well, for playing prices right rules, though, Lisa wins because Joanna went over. Oh, All right, and much. the final one here: people have been making good money selling their used clothes as they clean up around the house during the pandemic. Sites where people can resell clothes like Poshmark and Thread Up say sales have jumped between fifty percent and one hundred percent. Have either of you started going through your closets, cleaning some stuff out? Maybe. Uh, Emptying out the, the I've house? avoided my closet, but I've cleaned out so much around the house. Like that one closet that's supposed to be a linen closet, but we just threw all, it's just all kind the of stuff yeah, in there. It's just where everything gets thrown in. Yeah. I tackled that, and I felt so good about myself afterwards. <laughs> well, there you go. So maybe you got some old clothes around your house. Um, if you can make $4,500, you could go get involved in this orgy that they're having over in Las Vegas. <laughs> 50 tickets available. So there you go. It's the Buzz Adams Morning Show Podcast. How much do you remember about the Hollywood Walk of Fame? Mm, like, what about it? Not just kind of the, the random facts and some of the other things that we've talked about. Because you have to, you have to pony up money. Yeah, to keep them clean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I have a list here of celebrities that don't have a Hollywood Walk of Fame. And I'm going to group them for you. You mean like a star on it? Yeah, what'd I say? Yeah, you said they don't have a Hollywood Walk of Fame. Okay, yeah. They, like don't have they a, get their own? They don't have a, yeah, they don't have a star <laughs> in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. They get a parade. Okay, so <laughs> I'm going to group them. In threes. And you have to pick one celebrity of those three to get a star. Okay. Angelina Jolie, Mm -hmm. Ben Affleck, and Beyonce. None of them have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Which one are you putting in? Wait, wait, okay, so we're voting who we think does or who doesn't? No, 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 no. None we're of them do. We think none of them do. Be. Yeah. Oh. None of these none of these celebrities have a star. Interesting. Like which if, one of these three if they started a campaign, which one would you give Which is the one to? you would give it to? Angelina Jolie, Ben Affleck, or Beyonce. By the way, Matt Damon does have one. I was gonna say he I'm like does and mm. Ben Affleck. And Ben does Affleck it? does not. They forgot it. <laughs> oh, Sad, bad. Facts. I would say, I mean, my vote would be Angelina Jolie. Mine would be to Beyonce. Why? Well, I think Angelina just because she has not only acted but she's directed. She's won multiple awards. I mean, you could say the same thing for Ben Affleck. Ben well, Affleck's got Academy she Awards. Doesn't have one. Yeah, I mean, she's a Holly- she's Hollywood family. That's why I'm I'm surprised yeah. she doesn't. That is surprising. I wonder if John Voight does. <laughs> I bet he does. John, look that up real quick. See if John Voight, somebody see if John Voight has a Hollywood Walk of Fame. See, for me, I would give it to, for as of now, I would probably give it to Ben Affleck. Yeah, he does. John Voight does? Mm-hmm. Does it say when he got it? Let me see. Or is that? I don't know. Gary Sinise. Lieutenant Diane. Joe Montega. Why did, Why can't you just tell me, Google, yes or no? I know, right? They're showing me everyone else. Jerry Bruckheimer's Walk of Fame. Larry Elder's Who's Walk Larry of Fame. Who's Larry Elder? I don't even know. 
I guarantee there's a lot of people on the the Walk of Fame that people don't know who they are. Yeah, there's a lot of them that it's people who are producers or directors or it's just someone who's influential in the background of It's Hollywood. like yeah, it's like the it, it, when you're watching the Academy Awards and they do like the sound mix. Yeah, and it's and, you know, it's the people you don't really I mean, they're obviously they're very important when it comes right. to making you know, movies and TV shows and things like that, but you just don't know who they are because they're not in front of the camera or they're not the one directing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right, next grouping. This is a big one. Carrie Fisher. Clint Eastwood. Denzel Washington. None of them have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. If you Clint only could, Eastwood doesn't have one? If you could That's only crazy. pick one, oh who God. are you giving a star to? Give it to Clint Eastwood. He yeah. is on borrowed time already. Carrie Fisher's dead. Oh, that's true. <laughs> her time already died. Yeah, she already had to pay for that. See, and that, that right there would be the reason I would give it to her. And then second would be Clint Eastwood, just because it's like, well, let's be completely honest here. I mean, he's like 90. And then Denzel Washington. But the fact that none of those three have... A star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame is baffling to me. That is shocking. Clint Eastwood. But do you think part of it is the fact because like for when you when you get nominated, you have to then pay $40,000. Do you think some of them are like, "Ah, screw it." I gotta well, pay I thought you. that it, I thought it was generally it was like groups in support of this actor. Like their Like fan a fan clubs. club, yeah, that uh-huh. would that would pony up for this stuff. How so who are you, who are you putting in here? Work? Carrie Fisher, Clint Eastwood, or Denzel Washington? I guess Carrie Fisher. She's already gone. Yeah. I'd say Clint Eastwood. How does it work to get... And see, I wouldn't star. argue with you, Lisa. Yeah. It I'd, says anyone can nominate their favorite celebrity, including a fan. There's about 300 nominations a year. And then uh, they whittle it down. They uh, There's five categories for entertainment and the chairman. About 30 names are selected for entry. And it, but it can vary. Then they have to pay forty thousand dollars. Wow. Do you guys remember why Muhammad Ali's star on the Walk of Fame is not on the actual walk? It's up on the side of a building. Because he doesn't want people walking on it. Yeah. Because of the yeah. name Muhammad. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want people trampling on it. Or didn't I guess I should say. All right. I. Th- yes. Yeah, so this is some fans have have raised funds. For the ceremony, but they don't encourage that or endorse online campaigns. Um, in well, they can, they cases, can not encourage it, but it's still going to happen. It says in other cases, movie studios or record labels will foot the bill. Hmm. Interesting. How old Next grouping here. Emma Stone, George Clooney, Kanye West. George Clooney. Clooney. Yeah. Now, see, I thought that would be kind of a... An easier grouping of, of those ones. A, because Emma Stone's so young. Yeah, she's still fresh. Although I have a feeling... Well, I don't know. I was going to say I have a feeling that this is actually something that Kanye West cares about. But and if his, you really cared about it, wouldn't you just go buy it? would have cared about as well. Yeah. It's interesting. Past celebrities have not agreed to be on the Walk of Fame. So the stars with their names don't appear. Interesting. Dustin Hoffman and Julie Roberts are two of them. Oh, wow. Doesn't it consistently get voted as the most overrated kind of tourist attraction on the planet? Yes, it is so packed. And it's not, I mean, it's kind of dumb. 
I love it, but if it weren't so packed, damn it. Who's the one that you, the first time you went to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, Joanna, you were like, I have to see this person star? It wasn't the star, it was the handprints that I really oh, wanted to see. Of, Chinese theater? Yeah, Marilyn Monroe's. Good, good pick. I wanted to go to the Chinese restaurant that's to the right of the Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> the only memory I have of the Chinese theater is driving out front to the Snakes on a Plane premiere. Nice. And Samuel L. Jackson, I remember seeing him. I was in town for a radio convention and somebody I worked with at the time was from Los Angeles. So she told me, hey, I've got some family out there. They'll take you around town because you got a day off. So you can go see the town. And it was a crazy day with all kinds of different stuff. Like we got to see Samuel L. Jackson on the Snakes on a Plane premiere. Nice. Um, cruising around. I don't even remember where we were because it was such a long day. And this random group of people who were um, uh, who were contestants on Survivor. So, And this remember, this was like 05. <laughs> so it was early on in Survivor. And they were all hammered. And they were letting everybody know that they... We're on Survivor. <laughs> like their arms are around each other, like, woo, we were on Survivor. And I looked at him and I was like, I've only seen season one, so I don't know who you are. <laughs> and then they drunkenly walked by. I think one of them even asked, You want to take a picture with me? Um, no. Like, thank no. You. This camera's not digital. It's only 2005. It's got real film in it. I'm not wasting it on you. That same trip, we stopped at a diner. Because uh, somebody we were with wanted to run in to use the restroom. And as she comes out, she's kind of like really excited about something. Uh-huh. And she goes, walk around the side of the building. I couldn't even walk around the side of the building. She goes, just do it. So we did. And then she like pulls me through these bushes. And then right in front of me is MC Hammer eating uh-huh. by himself in a booth at the diner. <laughs> I just looked through the window and I was like, can't touch this. Oh, you're look. All, look. You're all too legit to quit. Yeah, I was like, look, he's going to finish this meal. He's too legit to quit. Good job, buddy. Good job, Hammer. What diner was it? Do you remember? I, I don't. Was it Mel's? I don't think it was because I think I would have remembered if it was Mel's, but then again, it might have been Mel's. It was, it was a whirlwind really of a day. Food. I mean, drove all around the town. And we even got to see a TV show being filmed. We stopped off at a liquor store and it was late at night. I mean, I remember it was dark. And as we're walking up to the liquor store, this guy comes out and he's like, wait, 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 wait. And he's like, like flagging his hands like this. And he stops us and he goes, just wait right here. We're, we're filming a scene. Just don't react. And we were like, okay. So we stood back. Well, and there's a reason that he was specifying that because the scene is a woman running out of the liquor store followed by a man who then grabs her and starts smacking her as he pins her up against a car. And it looked, I mean, from the angle we were at, it's even though we know that it's a TV show, it still looked realistic. Uh-huh. So we got to watch him film uh film a scene. And it was a decent... Did you ever find out what scene or where I, it was from? Man... I wish I remembered what show it was because it lasted. The show was on for, I believe, like five or six years or something like that. And I I never looked into it. 
<laughs> but then when they were done with the scene, they're like, all right, go in. Do you guys know what you want? And we're like, yeah, they go in, buy your booze, and then, you know, leave. And if you guys want to stay and watch, you can. But it was super cool. All, all in one day in Los Angeles. I think that's why I wouldn't mind living there. Because I expect every day to be like that. <laughs> so even if I lived in Los Angeles, I would have to have at least four celebrity run-ins a day. And if I didn't, eh, it would all be a one gigantic disappointment. <laughs> Uh, going back to the Walk of Fame here, the idea first came about in 1953 and a full seven years before construction even began on it. It wasn't until January of 56 that an official proposal was submitted to the Los Angeles City Council. So this thing was in the works for a while. And the original concept included caricatures. There were going to be renderings of, uh, of the stars. But then uh, that idea was kind of obviously poo-pooed a little bit. Now we just have the, the name with the star. And there were only four types of inductees originally considered for the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Right now there are five categories. In the Walk of Fame's earliest days, it was just four. Motion pictures, television, recording and music, and radio. In 1984, another category was added. Can you uh, think of what that category might be? Sound mixing. No. <laughs> what were the categories again? So the original four were motion pictures, television, recording or music, and radio. Reality? No. No, because no, I've this seen came before about, that this Kim came Kardashian. About in, this, came, one. this came about in 1984. Oh, 84. I was like, no, because Kim Kardashian has tried to get a star before and they've told her no. Well, I believe she probably could because it's for television as well. No, they said she lacks talent. Uh, <laughs> I like that. That's funny. Yeah, because the, the, they said that they've tried before, like her family has, and they Well, yeah, if anybody's got down. 40 grand laying around just to buy a star, you know that they have it. <laughs> the final category, the one that was added in 1984, theater, theater yes, oh. and live oh, performance. Okay. Yeah, it was added in 1984. All right, so that is the Hollywood Walk of Fame. It's the Buzz Adams Morning Show Podcast. Got five random facts for you today. Not as diligent as Buzz. Not going to source them like he does. Although I'm not really sure if he does either. I don't think he does. Yeah. He likes to say he does, but I think we all know he doesn't. <laughs> random fact number one. The capital of the island. Ah, oh man. I can never say this. Montserrat in the Caribbean. Same time. Is a ghost town. The city Plymouth was abandoned after a volcano destroyed most of it in 1995, but it is still the official capital. Cool. That's got to be one of those ones where it's got really interesting pictures of what it looks like now because nature's taken over. It's like, I am a legend. Random fact number two. Osama bin Laden's father, half-brother, and half-sister all died in different plane crashes. Oh. Oh. My God, that is weird. <laughs> yeah. Random fact number three. Oreos are a knockoff of Hydrox cookies, not vice versa. Have you ever seen Hydrox on the shelves? No. So Hydrox debuted in 1908. Oreos debuted in 1912. <gasps> okay. They look pretty much identical. They do, yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen. I don't these think on I've ever shelves. seen them. America's original. Okay. <laughs> well, it did come out four years before Oreos did. Random fact number four: 
Joe Namath had a losing record in his NFL career. And this is the random fact that just proves that Joe Namath should not be in the Hall of Fame. Something that I've been standing by because he actually had also had more interceptions and touchdowns in his career. He won 62 games as a quarterback and lost 63. He had 173 touchdowns and 220 interceptions. But thanks to his performance in Super Bowl three. That got him in the Hall of Fame. And, of course, Joe Namath, famous for the, I want to kiss you. <laughs> the girl's like, thanks, Joe. <laughs> yeah, she's trying to awkwardly get around it. And, he's, and then he starts to answer a question, and then he just falls right back down into the rabbit hole of, you look pretty. <laughs> Random fact number five. Clarence Crane is the guy who invented Lifesavers candy, and he sold the patent for $2,900 before they got popular. Wow. His son, Hart Crane, was a famous American poet who ended up committing suicide by jumping off a boat. Oh. Wow, I should have started with that. That, that, was, was, a, that was a real dark way to... Dark. Yeah, that was a real dark way to end the, um, the five random facts. It's the Buzz Adams Morning Show Podcast. One in five people say their driving skills got rusty during the quarantine. Plus, over 500 experts were asked when they're going to go back to doing things that they used to do, like shaking hands, seeing friends, getting haircuts. And I'll tell you how I made sure to preemptively go in for a greeting with Matt Kaplowitz over the weekend. But first, Lisa's got some news on the Marines. Yeah, so we're hearing new rules from the Marine Corps talking about the Confederate flag, uh, using it on bumper stickers, even on coffee mugs. They're saying they have ordered the removal of all public displays of the Confederate flag from Marine installations. They made the announcement on Friday uh, following growing removals of Confederate monuments and imagery across the country. They said that uh, the Confederate battle flag from all installation, public spaces, and work areas will be removed in order to support core values, ensure unit cohesion and security, and preserve good order and discipline. So that includes eliminating any depictions of the flag from individual offices, storage spaces, to naval vessels, and even government vehicles. That seems so odd because it's that's almost as if a Kansas City Chiefs fan would go around buying up San Francisco 49ers stuff. And posting it. Yeah, so we're going to see that. And they're saying it's also um, anywhere, of course, the actual flag is as well will be taken down. And they say that the Confederate battle flag has uh, been divisive in its use in our country and also as a nation. Um, And they said, though, there are some exclusions, though, if it's an educational or historical display, if it's a state flag that incorporates the Confederate flag or if it's on a Confederate soldier's grave site. Those are the only um, exceptions to this rule. And uh, they say this uh, provides more details through a directive about the Confederate flag that was sent out back in February through the Marines. And also a Marine that's getting a lot of uh, headlines right now is a veteran who was standing outside in the heat for hours with the words, I can't breathe, taped over his mouth. This U.S. Marine veteran stood in full uniform outside of the Utah State Capitol on Friday for three hours in the heat with tape over his mouth. Written on that tape was the message, I can't breathe. Those are the words, of course, of George Floyd that he pleaded with Minneapolis police officer who kept a knee on his neck for more than eight minutes that led to his death. Um, So the man has been identified as Todd Wynn. And in an interview with CBS, he explained that he chose to support the movement in this way 
because he said he has, as a veteran, uh, a voice that he says is privileged, and he's hoping to magnify the voices of so many others speaking out against police brutality. So he stood in the sweltering heat. He was reading a sign that said justice for George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Tamir Rice, and countless others. Now, it almost reached 100 degrees in Salt Lake City on that day, and it was so hot that his shoes actually started to melt Oof. into the concrete. Yeah. He said he's originally from Kansas, dreamed of being a Marine since he was a little kid, and he said he decided to join the service after the 9-11 attacks in New York City. He said, I've always loved being a Marine, the camaraderie, the brotherhood. It's a connection that unless you experience it, you can't understand. Uh, but he said that his time with the Marines did open his eyes and he was able to let go of these small-minded ideas that he grew up with. Uh, he said he served with men whose skin was a different color than his. And they were the finest men that he's ever known. And they helped him to learn that we really are just the same. But, I mean, they're pretty powerful pictures when you do see them uh, with his shoes. Because you can just see... They're a, melting in? A, yeah, like a little piles of uh, black from the shoes um, all over the concrete in front of the state capitol. Um, he has said he, that he did receive some protests, some criticism to his protests. Um, he said he agrees that military personnel should not protest or take sides on political issues. But he sees this more of a human issue, not a political one. Solid play. Yeah. So uh, he said that he was going to stand out there and just show support and camaraderie with those that are fighting. So uh, pretty interesting and um, impressive photos if you do see them of uh, this Marine veteran outside of the Capitol. I'm trying to see the ones of. Oh, yeah. Wow. So there's a picture of him. It's got him directly in front of the state uh, Capitol. He's got a sign up and then on the. So he's taking a knee and then like behind him. You can see the black marks mm -hmm. from where his the the soles of his shoes were melting into the ground. It's pretty intense, I'll tell you that. Uh, yeah, very uh, powerful, silent protest that he had there, and it was something he probably didn't even think that would happen. His shoes would start melting. That made such an impact on so many people. But well, then I, I hope. At some point, we realize that something actually needs to be done. I mean, I get protesting and everything else, but unfortunately, we end up in this vicious cycle, and this is the way that it's been going for years, is that something... George Floyd, this isn't the first time that's happened. No. And that's obviously why there's so much outrage. Mm -hmm. But the issue that we've run into is, th like, there will be a Band-Aid put on it. Or there will be something that's a very temporary solution. Or maybe not even that. There's like something else pops up in the news. And then the rest of the world or country starts to forget about it. Because maybe it's not as important to them. When those are the people that really need to help make this difference and stick to this. And say, we do need change here. Something does need to be done. Where we're going to... Not continue to repeat the same pattern over and over again. And unfortunately, it's kind of what we've been stuck in. So I don't know what the solution is. I'm not going to pretend I'm smart enough to solve this problem because, well, it's going to take somebody incredibly brilliant. And it's actually going to take uh, a large mass group of people um, and everybody coming together to solve this thing. So don't don't take whatever I'm saying as I, I got some sort of solution. I don't. I'm not going to lie to you. But I do think that in some way, shape or form, change actually needs to happen. Um, and it's going to come from everybody. And if you don't want to be a part of the change, eh, well, then just get the hell out of the way while we take care of it. That's not the one I wanted. There nice. we go. <laughs> I was like, I didn't want the news bed. Trying to find a way to transition from that. 
My news bed reminded me of uh, Anchorman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, so one in five people say that their driving skills got rusty during quarantine. We've all pretty much driven the same amount that we did before quarantine, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, taking, uh, taking so, I mean, driving to and from work. So then this would mean people who maybe had to work from home. Yes. Or maybe or, even got furloughed right. and then have since returned to their job. Mm-hmm. And it says here, according to a new survey, one in five people say their driving skills got rusty during quarantine and now they're not driving as well as they used to. I'm on the roads enough to say, yeah, that has happened. (laughs) I could see that. The most common driving mistakes people have been making since they got back to driving are. Number five. Having to think about what each pedal does. Ooh. If you have to think about that, get off the road. I'm guessing that's probably people who have n- not automatic cars. Oh, you mean like a stick shift? Yeah. But even then. Driving a stick shift is like riding a bike. I mean, once you learn it, it doesn't really go away. Number four. Scraping their wheels against the curb. I see Buzz do that almost every morning. If this, if these blinds are open, <laughs> and that and I'm already here, and yeah, and <laughs> if I'm already here, I can tell when he comes in because he clips that curb every single time. Ooh. Buzz coming is in, a horrible driver, you guys. Right? I've been in that car with him. He doesn't look forward. He does not. And then if he, if his head turns to the left, like his arms follow, and we'll start swerving left. And he and. If you try to tell him you're being a jerk, yeah, it's kind of I'm his philosophy. Buzz, pay attention to the road. And I am. He's all like, I am. I am. It's fine. Yeah, because what'll happen is he won't <laughs> look forward. I don't know if he ever really does, unless it's just a, like a glance. But he looks around like this, where it's back and forth, left and right. And as he does that, his hands, yeah, his hands are moving, are following. <laughs> and so you'll be in the middle lane of a three-lane road, and you're hitting every single edge, Ugh. man. Like it's just back and forth. And then I'm all buzz. This is our turn. This is our turn, buzz. This is our turn. <sighs> Number three. <laughs> Forgetting to signal. Ah, that was an issue before the quarantine. That wasn't really. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't really something that was. Welcome uh, to El Paso. Yeah. Number two, struggling to parallel park. Thankfully, we don't have to do a whole lot of it here, depending on where you live Mm -hmm. or where you go. I'm a really good parallel parker, so it almost breaks my heart that I don't get to do it as much. I mean, you could just, you know. Pick a spot. Although it is funny. We'll set some cones up in the parking lot for you. Whenever we're <laughs> like downtown, my girlfriends will do that. They'll call me and be like, hey, I'm outside. Can, Can you, you come park my yeah. car? Mm-hmm. And I will. I'll have to go outside. And all the, it's funny because there's a there's a bar downtown that has a rooftop patio. And one time I was parking and all the guys started holding up signs. They're like, we're going to give it an eight because you had to re- reverse again. So that's a eight out of ten. But uh, uh, You had to go forward and then try it again. Huh? Yeah. I was like, all right. All right. It's better, it's better that <laughs> than slamming into the curb, though. I'll tell you that. Uh, and number one here, out of the things that people say that their driving skills got rusty on, stalling. So that would go to um, a, a, a manual 
or uh, stick shift. What rusty skills did you, what, what did you come up? Because my thing I realized was makeup. When I actually tried to put makeup on, I was like, how does Girl, this work again? Yes. I, was, I was sitting there putting it on. I'm like, oh, I forgot the primer. I'm like, oh, now I got to start over again. So then I had to take all my makeup off and then restart it. And then I was trying to do eyeshadow and I was just sitting there like, okay, so how does this work again? Um, and just looking around. I don't know if anything really became rusty because of this lockdown, because my life was the only Have you gone back to the gym yet? Uh, no, that would definitely be something that... I think, okay, that's probably going to be your rusty. When yeah. you get back, you're like, how does this work? I'm going to be trying to use my key card. Well, okay, I don't remember how that goes in there. I'll but... uh, <laughs> go, go to train some Krav Maga and I'll get popped in the face a couple of times because I'm not blocking properly. That's probably yeah. what will happen. Because, I mean, I, I mean, truly, other than that, everything else has pretty much been the status quo. The only difference being we were told show's over if you if you don't have to be here go home and then i just go work from home throughout kind of the rest of the day um my i was talking to my buddy john yesterday and because we were discussing like some of the skills that we've gotten rusty on and he said he's all talking i was like like in general he's like yeah because he he was saying like i had a degree and like have conversations yeah because we were talking about dating and stuff and he goes yeah i have a date tomorrow which i'm so excited about he has a date today but he was telling me he's like i don't remember how to how to be normal in public? Does that make sense? I was like, no, I mean, it does. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, and he's like, I just, I don't know. How, what am I supposed to, so he started like pretend dating. I was like, so what do like you you're do? Act, you're acting it out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I was sitting, I'm like, so what do you do for a living? So he's telling me, and he's sitting there, he's like, yeah. I, I, and then, but luckily the girl like kind of told him the same thing. She's like, I'm really rusty. Like I haven't, I've been social distancing, so I haven't really left the house. This is the first time I'm going out to eat is with you. And so I'm like, so you're both going to be awkward. I want to be there for the date, like in the back. <laughs> Just See, I was, I've always been super awkward in, uh, group settings anyway one of which is because as my wife explains it i always take things one step too far mm-hmm. like people like a joke will kind of continue to go until it gets to the point where i make everybody uncomfortable that's a pretty regular thing and brandon's like i win yeah you, you guys are done with the jokes it's a competition i won like yeah yeah it's who can who can go the biggest um and then it even happened when we were uh kind of hanging out outside after the scavenger hunt over the weekend at kaplowitz's house as I was wearing my Bucky shirt, okay, and another guy commented on it, like he said, "Hey, is that the convenience store?" A, I forgot what shirt I was wearing, and so B, <laughs> I didn't know he was talking to me. Uh-huh. And then I'm all of a sudden I'm like I'm looking around, like who's he talking to? And I'm the only one really standing there. I was like, oh, oh, and I looked down, I saw the shirt, and all I could respond with was, yeah. <laughs> That's it. Like that was it. Yeah. Like you would, you know, you'd expect something a little bit more, but it was just, yeah. And then I awkwardly walked away. Like, like and I felt bad. I'm like, does this guy think I'm an absolute that guy's jerk? Like, yeah. Like this guy's like, dude, what? Like, who does this guy think he is? When for me, it's like, no, that was just an awkward social interaction where I didn't know where to go with it. So I just responded and walked away as quickly as possible. And I did that Homer Simpson kind of sidle out thing where he goes into the bushes. Yeah. I'm just trying to, I mean, I didn't go into bushes, but if there were some there, I probably would have done that. Your wife is like, I am so sorry about him. And that's just how he is. Yeah. There's there's frequent times where she's apologizing for me in public situations. All right. Coming up, we're going to get to uh, 500 experts. They were asked, when are they going to do the things that they... 
that we used to normally do. Shake hands, mm. see your friends, get your haircuts. They were asked when they're going to get back to doing that stuff. And then I'll talk to about how I was able to preempt the handshake over at Kaplowitz's house over the weekend. Because, I mean, that's truly the first real social setting I've been in outside of family in two, three months, maybe. Yeah. Although I go through stretches like that all the time. I'm perfectly content just sitting at home and watching TV. By the You've way, you've been bro- training for this? Is oh, that what you're trying to man, say? Tell you, 40 years, baby. And this is what I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm a true American hero. I'm willing mm-hmm. to stay at home and do nothing. It's the Buzz Adams Morning Show podcast. Okay. So we have uh, 500 experts okay. were asked when they're going to do things like shake hands, see friends, and get haircuts again. Interesting. Someone polled more than 500 epidemiologists who study the spread of diseases. So that's what makes them the expert here. You might have been wondering that. Okay. And they asked them when they're personally going to be comfortable with doing certain things again. And right here it says, uh, out of the 20 things on the list, there were only four that most of them would feel okay doing again now or even later this summer. Those include... Bringing in mail and packages without precautions. Seeing a doctor for something non-urgent. Going on overnight trips within driving distance. Mm -hmm. And getting your hair cut at a salon. Are you guys okay with all four of those so far? Same again, what are they? Uh So you have opening mail and packages without precautions. Yeah. Seeing a doctor for something non-urgent. Yeah. Going on overnight trips within driving distance. Yeah. Getting your hair cut at a salon. Yeah. I would say three out of the four, yes. Again, there wasn't a real consensus. For example, one in five said they won't feel totally safe getting a haircut for at least another year. Oh. Okay. See, but... I think it just depends because my my hair girl is one of my best friends. So I've been, you know, with her throughout this whole journey. Is she part of your quarantine crew? She is. Oh, I'm, no, she's a part of her own quarantine crew, her and her four dogs. Uh, but, you know, I've, I've seen her struggle because of this. I've seen how, you know, she's struggling to you know, get the business to, because they're not at full capacity yet. So whereas she already was working such long hours just because she's a hard worker, now she's doing like 12 hour days and she's doing them, you know, six days a week. And she's like, it's because I can't, she used to be able to kind of double book so Mm -hmm. she could, you know, color a hair and then while the hair color is sitting, bring in the next one and start coloring that hair. So she kind of had like a little rotation going. She can't do that anymore. So now her hours have been doubled Basically, so I, I think because of that, I would want to support her and go in and get my hair done. So there were a few things where the number one answer was within the next three to 12 months. So those four were the ones that they're either comfortable doing now or by the end of this summer. These things are within the next three to 12 months. Attending a small dinner party. Where does that fall for you? Oh, who's throwing the dinner party? Yeah, it's it, kinda, it depends kinda, on the kinda, people. Yeah, you kind of need to know that. And and yeah. who's going to be going there? Yeah, exactly. I, I think I would feel comfortable depending on who it is. Because if it was like, if it's a quarantine crew that we've already been with this whole time. Yeah, we've already had dinner parties. Or somebody who you know takes proper precautions and they're not standing in line at uh, 
TJ Maxx for 20 minutes. Yeah. Like if it's someone I know that they're going out for the essentials, but they're not really. Um, they wear a mask. They mm-hmm. wash their hands. Like they, they take all the necessary precautions. Yeah. You'd be okay with that. Yeah, once Mark's pool's finally finished being redone. Yeah, I'm going to go to his house for that pool party. Hey, they just say chlorine kills uh, coronavirus. Yeah, yeah. Have at it. Poomaloom, I will be there. Uh, This next one here, again, these are things that people are going to feel comfortable with in the next three to 12 months. Sending kids to school. This one is iffy for me. I do know that my kids' school will take the proper precautions but you don't know what you're going to get when you throw a bunch of kids together. Yeah. I know. They send kids in when they have like a simple cold. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it, there's a lot of question marks It there. affects me because my nephews come with that cold and then I get sick. So how about you, Joanna? Would you be comfortable with your nephews going back to school, let's say this fall? I think my nephews have gotten way too comfortable being home and I'm just like, you need get to out go of the house. to school. Go. Yeah. Be gone with and you. And they're all like, this is great. <laughs> Next one on the list, working in a shared office. I mean, we all kind of do that we now. We kind of do that. I mean, even as Lisa's in here with me right now, the two places that she works is either with me or Joanna. Mm-hmm. So I, I would consider that kind of already happening. Yeah, and then and then for the most part, like our coworkers who have to come in and uh, to our offices, they come in with masks on usually. Mm-hmm. I think we're, you, me, and Joanna are the only ones. We're like, you're coming in our room, so yeah. you put a mask on. <laughs> Can't broadcast with that thing on. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Next one on this list, riding a bus. I didn't do that in general. I, yeah, I didn't do it I in know. general anyway, but what I'm thinking of, and this actually will roll into the next one because the next one is boarding a plane. Again, these are the things that experts were asked. When would you be comfortable with this? It's the next three to 12 months. Riding a bus, because the only time I would ride something like a bus would be if, if I went to the airport. And you parked in long term, mm-hmm. and then you hop on the shuttle, and then you take the shuttle in. If I, and, and see, this is where it's a, a bit of a gamble. If I see them wiping things down, like this is one of the reasons I'm comfortable when I go to Albertsons. Because once I walk in and I go to grab the cart, there's the person standing there wiping them all down. Freshly spraying every single one that has come in. That makes it comfortable to go in there. Boarding a plane is a major risk because you're spending a ton of money what if you get there and you're not comfortable with the situation? What are you going to do? They're not going to give you a refund, right? True. Yeah. So I think for the time being, but a lot can change in three to 12 months, man. A lot can change. The next one here is going to the gym. That's a hard one. I, I think it just depends. Like once again, if how you feel about your personal gym. Mm-hmm. If you think that they are taking the precautions because that's why I, I I was always super nervous but then when I had talked to friends who are already going to the gym they're saying they're like it's really not that busy everyone's making sure that they're washing their hands they're you know because they don't want their businesses to close down so they're going to do everything in their power to make their gym goers feel safe mm-hmm. and then the next one here is eating at restaurants we eat like we get takeout probably two to three times a week mm-hmm Eating at an actual restaurant, I get the point of getting out of the house, but again, I am still pretty far away from being comfortable with that. I think it, I because on Sunday, my parents wanted to go eat somewhere and I told them, no, let's just get takeout. And they said no. And then my mom goes, well, I think like it's finally time. And then my dad just burst the bubble and goes, we've already been to Applebee's. And I'm just like... <laughs> 
Excuse so me? So your mom's trying to ease you in while your dad just rips the Band-Aid off. Yeah, he's like, and I'm like, first of all, you already left me two blocks behind on this bike ride, but that's a whole nother <laughs> issue, Father. Yeah. And I'm like, second of all, what do you mean you two have been to Applebee's? And my mom's, well, your, your father wanted to go eat. And, and he goes, because we have to eat somewhere. We can't stay here all the time. <laughs> and so I started arguing with them. So finally I said, fine, you know, whatever. You two don't care. We can go eat somewhere, but I'm like, but I demand it has to be somewhere that's slow. So we went to this little tiny Mexican restaurant that my dad loves. And when we went in there, there was only one other customer in there. And then there was a guy that ran into the wall with his car. Nice. Yeah, that happened outside. (laughs) I just see this car and you could tell it was one of those things where it was an elderly gentleman who hit the gas instead of the the brake and his car just did a complete 180 and he slammed into the side of the building and I'm just watching it happen thinking, and this is what we get for going out during a pandemic. Yeah, that's one of those guys that (laughs) lost his skills. Yeah, he he did lose his driving skills. But, you know, so I I, I felt comfortable there because there wasn't a lot of people. We know the owner of 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 the restaurant, you know, he was there and and so you know it it felt safe in that sense because mm-hmm. we we felt comfortable but i would not have personally felt comfortable at applebees <laughs> mother so, so these other uh the other things here on this list these are the things that the experts say that they are over a year away from being comfortable with attending a wedding or a funeral oof funeral i almost think like if if it's somebody close to me i got to go right yeah. right now a wedding i'll send you a gift I'm perfectly okay with that. <laughs> the next one is going out with someone you don't know very well. I would say like a date. Right? Uh, I guess. Look, dude, if I said no to you before the pandemic, I'm going to say no now. It's still happening. It's not going to happen. Attending a large church service. Mm, pass. Yeah. You don't know what kind of stuff's floating around in there. Going to live sporting events and concerts. Now, it depends because my wife and I were talking about this. That's the one. And we were even talking about if uh, baseball or soccer kicks back up here like it's supposed to in about a month or so. Not baseball, but uh, I believe the the locomotive are looking to get things going again in about a month. I'd want to go. Okay, Brandon. Yeah. We've seen how many cases and how much they're going up in Texas. Yeah. Rage Against the Machine comes tomorrow and decides. Um, yeah, I'm going. I'm, in. I'm there. I don't care. I'll go. I'll man. I will wear like a, a latex. Like, I'll wear a latex suit like the like the gimp in uh, Pulp Fiction or American Horror Story, <laughs> and I'm going to that Rage Against the Machine show. Everyone's like, like oh happening. my god, who's that? And we're all that's Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> I know him. Rage Against the Machine. Um, next one here is uh, not wearing a, a face mask in, in uh, everywhere. There's a lot of people who are already comfortable with that because I walk around, go to the store, go anywhere, and people are completely comfortable not doing that. And then the, the final yeah. one here, hugging or shaking hands. Now, i got to get Oof. to this before we uh, get to our news tease really quick. But this had to do with Kaplowitz's uh, party over the weekend. I saw his brother. And I haven't seen Matt in a while. I mean, it's probably been maybe a year or so. And in the back of my mind, I'm like... I see him. He doesn't see me yet. So I'm like, dude, jump on this early and again, get it taken care of. Like, go say hi because you want to talk to Matt. But what do you do? And I go, I just go, Matt, what's up, dude? And then he looks over and I go, give me some elbow. And I just walked up to him <laughs> with my elbow sticking out. Oh, we're doing the elbow. And he gave me some elbow dap. And I was like, all right, we avoided that situation altogether. Because I was like, you know what? If I'm going to be uh, preemptive with it, I can avoid any awkward situation where it's like that. 
handshake, high, what are we doing? Right. I was like, you know what? I'm going in for the elbow, baby. All right, so that's your list of things that uh, the experts are saying that they're not quite comfortable with. It's the Buzz Adams Morning Show Podcast. So we keep hearing this, uh, these three words over and over again, which is defund the police, defund the police. Do you, uh, I'm just asking, do you understand what defunding the police is? Because I think a lot of people are getting a misconception of it. I think, well, when you hear defund the police, it's let's cut their money is the, is the, is the first gut reaction. And in a way, um, yes, that's literally what they mean. Uh, they mean um, taking away funding from police forces across the country. Um, they're saying that legislators allocate money and yearly budgets to fund those police departments. So they're saying defunding the police is literally they want to take that money away from them and then reallocate those funds into social programs in, as well. I think one thing that a lot of people aren't thinking about when they say things like defund the police is they're saying that there needs to be more uh, of a training for these officers and there needs to be, you know, uh, you have to go, you know, to school for four years to get a certain type of degree. Well, they should do that for officers. But the thing is, is that if you were to do that, you're they're already having so much trouble getting people to sign up to be a police officer, mm -hmm. defunding them. That's also talking about uh, they're not going to be able to get those raises and their salaries to get people and to entice them to want to join the force. And so I, I think instead of the the defund the police movement that we keep hearing about, I would say uh, take their budgets and then reallocate the funds to different things inside of the the force itself. Yeah, look at where it's going now and then realize, hey, maybe we should take some of this money over here and put it towards sensitivity training or... Yes, um, de-escalation like, tactics. Yeah, exactly. Like some sort of training that if for these situations that continually pop up for police officers... They are the best prepared people out there on the planet to deal with it. And I think we kind of glaze over that a lot. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the problem is that people, uh, when they hear, def I keep seeing all over and over online people saying, defund the police, let's just get rid of them. A and okay, so what's going to happen then if you, let's say, have someone, a robbery at your house? Or there's, you know, a, a fight in a parking lot somewhere. Who are you gonna or, call? Yeah, who are you gonna call? The Ghostbusters? Like there's you don't have a, a secondary option to go towards. So I think instead, I think this is where it's a lot of elite, a lot of people have to come to the table together to say these are the issues that we're seeing, and then the police can tell them, okay, well, these are the issues that we're also dealing with. Because I think that the a lot of people don't realize how many officers they have retiring compared to how many officer, officers they have joining the force. And uh, the people do say they're shocked to see how long their training is. They don't spend that much time uh, getting trained to become a police officer as someone does who's joining, um, you know, a, a barbershop or something like that. Like the, the training hours and weeks are different. But I think that defunding the police is the wrong connotation, I would say. And it seems to be a gut reaction without a lot of thought behind it. Exactly. And I think that's the problem is people want action right now and they want it to happen. They want to just say, screw the cops, take their money and let's put it towards something else. But it's no, I think instead this is a situation where you, are, you actually have to work with them to see a positive change come about. And I think that's one of the things that we need to see actually happening. And that's when you, you need to realize we need to find a middle ground here because I said this earlier in the show, we've gotten to the point where we're in a cycle. 
yeah. things continue to happen because nothing does change. A Band-Aid is put on it. Or, and then on to the next one. Yeah, or something else pops up in the news. And it just kind of gets glazed over every single time. And I think that's why it's like, uh, in the hope right now, that's, that's why I really, I truly feel to this day that that, uh, of course I say to this day like it happened years ago, that poem yesterday that was saying, maybe 2020 isn't canceled. Maybe 2020 is finally the year where we all realize things need to change. Mm -hmm. There are some positive things on this planet. There are some negative things on this planet. We need to embrace the positive, but we need to look at fixing the negative. And the only way to do that is to do it together. One person's not going to do it. A group of 10 people are not going to do it. It's going to take everybody. Well, I take that back. Not everybody, because there's always going to be those contrarians who are going to argue against whatever it is you're trying to do. Exactly. But you all need to realize, everybody here needs to realize we have the same goals. We have the same things that we want to strive for, no matter your race or your gender or whatever it is. We all want the same things. Treat each other that way. Take that step forward. It's the golden rule for crying out loud. It's, it's the thing that we teach our kids. Treat others as you want to be treated. And unfortunately, as we grow older, it's almost like that kind of gets blurred from our mind because we come so self-focused on yeah. what we need in that moment or even in j- just for ourselves in general. And that is why we keep getting stuck in this cycle. This cycle that doesn't o- change. It's over and over again. And you need to realize sacrifices will need to be made on all sides. If you only look at the sacrifice that you need to make, it's a selfish move. That is a selfish errand because everybody... Or the changes that someone else needs to make without looking at yourself and realizing the changes. Everybody needs to realize that change comes from everyone and you have to be willing to adapt. And you can. I think there's a lot of people also out there that are scared because change scares them. Mm -hmm. You need to realize that change happens on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, minute by minute, second by second on this planet. But... People consistently stop and they get worried about it or they're thinking about the future. Like, oh, what what about this? The worry warts out there. I'm one of them. I'm willing to admit it. I constantly worry about the future or how something is going to affect me later on down the line. But something I am trying to change is to not let that control me. The second you stop letting it control you is the second you start moving towards change. And we have to do that now. But again, I'm only one person and I can't change it. Lisa can't change it. Joanna can't change it. The three of us together can't change mm-hmm. it. The only people that can change it is everybody together. So there's your speech. We got a break. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end. So we got well, we through got, one story. Say, well, we All got right. through the one story. We got some more news coming. But see, <laughs> th- see, this is why I wanted the heavy stuff first. Yeah. Because we can get it out of the way and then we can finish on the lighter stuff. So we'll get that. It's the Buzz Adams Morning Show podcast. Check in on the Facebook chat after my little rant right there. Michael says, that's wishful thinking, Brandon. We see it with the riots. There are people that want to watch this world burn. I agree completely with that entire statement. Mm -hmm. What I said was wishful thinking. We can look at the riots and there are people who want to watch the world burn. The biggest thing that we need to do is change that from wishful thinking to just thinking. Because then that eventually will turn it into action. 
And that's what we need to do. Now, if you want to choose to only look at the riots and say, well, this is what the other side wants, or uh, if you want to look at other protests or whatever the case may be, and you're immediately going to come to your conclusion before doing anything else, that's the problem. That's why we keep getting in this vicious cycle of things where it's just wash, rinse, repeat constantly with all of these exact same issues. And the politicians are the ones that are leading us this way. Because solutions, that's not how they get elected. They get elected by making the other side look bad. They get elected by making their side just look a little bit better. Never admit fault. Never admit you did anything wrong. And always point out the flaws of the other side. Uh, Facebook chat here. Rex says, love the show. But when it comes to political issues, y'all talk about on the show, I find myself on the other side of the fence. Until this last segment. Brandon, what you said was so well-spoken that I hope you put it in an article or blog so I can share those words. Ugh, that means I gotta type it out. Blog idea. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Rex, I'll look into doing that. I mean, I'm not that smart, but if you guys liked it, I'll go ahead and try to put that out there for you. Um... Derek says, when I was in the academy, most of my classmates were prior military. I'm curious to know what the de-escalation training, if any, was like for the military. Interesting. I think that that's a a step that maybe we should take. Get military and police officers. And they can tell us. Because, look, I would be speaking out of place if I tried to tell you, hey, this is what the police officers do. Even if I read a story about it. I would at least have some information, but I can't speak from personal experience. We, I mean, we talked about this last week. My life experience is vastly different from Lisa's, yeah. who is vastly different from Joanna, mm-hmm. who's vastly different from Buzz. Everybody's life experience shapes how they think and shapes everything about them. And unfortunately, we get so locked into that sometimes, we ignore how our actions are affecting others. Or the fact that maybe somebody's going through something very similar to you, but just because they disagree with you on one point, you have to disagree with everything that they're talking about. And that's a massive problem that we have. Um, a bunch of people saying good morning. Um, let me see here. Oh, somebody, uh, Padilla's talking about the... Um, the podcast. He says it won't. Uh, he says Brandon, it won't let me listen live. It says to turn off my ad blocker. I whitelist the site, and it still thinks I have on my ad blocker. Um, we'll look into that. I mean, thanks. If you guys have any problems like that, if you guys run into any issues where if we're sending you somewhere to go listen to the podcast, if you have any issues, by all means, hit us up. You can put it in the Facebook chat, like Padilla did. You can hit us up on uh, send us a message on Facebook. Just go to Buzz Adams Morning Show. You can tweet at us at Buzz Adams Show. Um, those are all ways you can get a hold of us. You can also email me. It's Brandon at BuzzAdamsShow.com. It's the Buzz Adams Morning Show Podcast. It's time for Entertainment News with Joanna Barba. And the Bill and Ted trailer just popped up. Yeah, it did. What did you think of it? Uh, it was very big. I thought they were going to show more about the daughters. Yeah, so kind of the, the only... It's a, a little over a minute, and the basic premise is... They haven't fulfilled their destiny of writing the song that will unite us all. Because if you remember, that's kind of what the the second one was about. Mm -hmm. Or quite the first one as well, because that's when Rufus shows up. Because he's got to help them pass that history final. 
Well, we're now in 2020, and I guess they haven't written anything close to the song. Oh, it's, it starts out where they were like, you know, back in this day, you performed in front of this many people in this gigantic stadium. And last week, you performed for 40 people in Barstow, California. And most of those people were there for the $2 tacos. <laughs> so hopefully it's good. But Bill and Ted uh, was released, uh, the trailer at least. So what else do we have in entertainment, Joanna? Well, Hartley Sawyer has been fired from the CW's The Flash over a collection of racist and misogynistic tweets that he posted prior to joining the show. The tweet, the news was confirmed by the CW and the show's producers, Warner Brothers Television. Variety released a statement that read that Sawyer will not be returning for season seven of The Flash and said, quote, in regards to Mr. Sawyer's posts on social media, we do not tolerate derogatory remarks that target any race ethnicity, national origin, gender, or sexual orientation. The tweets in question date mainly from 2012 and 2014, including one that said, quote, The only thing keeping me from doing mildly racist tweets is the knowledge that L. Sharpton would never stop complaining about me. In another tweet from 2012, Sawyer wrote that, As a lad, one of my favorite activities was kidnapping homeless women and cutting off their breasts. Ugh. Hartley issued an apology through his Instagram last week saying that he is incredibly sorry, ashamed, and disappointed in himself for his ignorance back then. When were these tweets done? In 2012 and 2014. Okay. Keanu Reeves, who we just... There you go, yeah. Keanu Reeves was fully Mm. on board for The Matrix 4 after reading the wonderful wonderful storyline. The actor spoke about the upcoming sequel to the the original by Lana and Lily Wachowski in Empire Magazine Heroes issue and said, quote, Lana Wachowski wrote a beautiful script and a wonderful story that resonated with me. That's the only reason to do it. To work with her again is just amazing. I thought it was Wachowski. Is it Wachowski? Wachowski? I always thought it was Wachowski. Either way, we know who they are. Yeah, the Wachowskis or Wachowskis, (laughs) whichever one. Reeves is reprising his role as Neo and reuniting with his co-star Carrie Ann Moss, who starred as Trinity. The franchise follows Reeves' Neo and a series of heroes as they battle against machine overlords overlords who have imprisoned human beings in an ultra-realistic virtual reality. The films also star Lawrence Fishburne, who has not yet confirmed if he's coming back for the fourth and Hugo Weaving, as well as Jada Pinkett-Smith, Yaha Abdul-Madin II, Neil Patrick Harris, and Priyanka Chopra are reported to star in the fourth film. Hello, Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. So, you do it now. Which one do you think... <laughs> Hello, Mr. Anderson. Uh, who do you? Which one do you have more excitement for? Bill and, and Ted, Ted or Matrix? Matrix. Lisa? Matrix. I've never seen Bill and Ted. Oh. Said Demas High School Football rules. You know what? In the trailer, did you notice how they did the same thing of be excellent to yourself? And yeah. Like, Party on! It sounded just like they did in that graduation. Yeah, they sound tired. Speech. They're like, just uh, like, oh, and party on! I guess. Yeah, I can't uh. believe we've been doing this for this long. <laughs> Marta Kaufman is reflecting on the lack of diversity in Friends during day three of ATX TV's virtual festival. The sitcom's co-creator expressed regret over not diversifying the series, which ran from 1994 to 2004. She said, quote, I wish I knew then what I know today. I would have made very different decisions. Earlier this year, David Schwimmer told The Guardian that he often advocated for his friend's character, Ross, to date women of color as as a way to offset the all-white main cast. Yeah, Ross. 
Getting it. The cast of the series is set to reunite for an unscripted special on HBO Max, the new streaming service that's currently airing the show. Until then. And a streaming service that currently has Joanna hooked in. I am in. hooked on that. Nice. I was like, oh, I haven't seen The Big Bang Theory since it ended. And then I started and I have not stopped. <laughs> so that's my life now. And finally, Daniel Radcliffe has spoken out regarding J.K. Rowling's Twitter controversy. To recap, the author sparked controversy on Saturday after posting a series of tweets, which many of her followers argued were anti-trans. Sharing an article about menstrual health to her 15 million followers, Rowling took issue with the phrase, people who menstruate, sarcastically implying that the author should have just used the word women and seemingly insinuated that gender and sex are synonymous. Rowling received immediate backlash, with many arguing that there are plenty of women who don't menstruate, including menopausal women, women who have had their uteruses removed, and trans women. Many also pointed out that no one was trying to erase the concept of sex, but rather argued that gender is fluid. People also brought up how disrespectful it is to tweet this, during the Black Lives Matter movement and while we're in a pandemic. Well, in a short but meaningful essay posted on the Trevor Project's website, a suicide prevention organization for the LGBTQ community, Radcliffe issued a response which addressed both fans and the author. After noting that his response is not an attack, Radcliffe declared, quote, transgender women are women. Any statement to the contrary erases the identity and dignity of transgender people and goes against all advice given by professional healthcare associates associates who have far more expertise on this subject matter than either Joe or I. The 30-year-old closed with an apology to fans of the popular fantasy series and urged them not to let Rowling's tweets taint their perception of the series. It does seem odd that she would be getting backlash. Just, and I'm not, I'm not saying specifically for what she said, mm-hmm. but just because she has always seemed to be very progressive. She has always seemed to be very yeah. Remember the pro. outpour when yeah, she Dumbledore's is, gay. Yep, it's good for him, man. Do what you got to do. She has been a little bit weird on Twitter lately, though. Is she? Does it so seem like she's? The, is she kind of going south? Is it one of those situations it, where it really feels like she's burning her bridges as life continues for her? So I got a question. Do you think that sometimes when this happens, do you think it is something to do with what's going on with somebody personally, like in this moment, like all of a sudden some things have changed, which is sort of altering her thought process or do you think it's always been there and maybe the person who was around to go Oof, yeah hey don't don't do that like don't don't put that up or, or you know take a step back and think about it is all of a sudden that person that would do that is gone probably that one because like we need that person for the president like that's that, like, <laughs> we need that right yes and there's do. a lot of celebrities and there's a lot of people out there who need it i needed it when i was challenging floyd mayweather to fights I'd get, yeah. I'd get drunk. What? Oh, yeah. That's, I had to get off Twitter. This was years ago. This was like <laughs> 2013, 2014. I think I've deleted all the tweets. But I would just, I would fall in these rabbit holes of just what a piece of human garbage Floyd Mayweather was. And were you just like, fight me? And I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah. That's I was like, come on, let's go, bitch. I call him a, humun- a, a homunculus. Homunculus. Which is, you know, it's basically a little person. Um, and it was just like, and it was bad. So I was like, you know what? I gotta, I gotta get off of Twitter. 
And you know what? If if you need help out there, I'm just telling you right now, don't drink and tweet. Because she's been very like trigger happy with her Twitter. Because uh, this isn't the first time she's been called out for saying something about trans people. Uh, she just said something last year also that upset people. But she's just kind of like not making it any better. <laughs> she's not coming out and saying, look, maybe I said it wrong. She's just saying she, her response was, I know many trans people. Is it? Yeah. Is it because she's not apologizing at all? Or is it because her apologizing is, um, apologizing is almost digging the hole deeper? It, yeah, yeah, it might. It does do that. At this point, they're like, we're just going to hide your phone from you. No more but tweeting. I do like how Radcliffe is like, don't let her tweets taint your perception of the series. If you still love the series, love the series. You know, you don't have to denounce it just because of this. <laughs> just because I'm a maniac doesn't mean you got to denounce the series now. <laughs> All right, so I'm, I'm going to flash back here to uh, some Big Bang Theory because we know that Buzz was not the biggest fan Right. of the Big Bang oh, he's Theory. very outspoken about that. I wonder... And it did, I mean, and it, 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 it had its cringy moments at times, but I also thought it was, a, it was a brilliantly written show, and it was also brilliantly acted. I thought that the cast that they had on that show was great. Yeah. It's the Buzz Adams Morning Show Podcast. Vanessa Bryant, Kobe Bryant's widow, is seeking hundreds of millions of dollars in her wrongful death lawsuit. Vanessa's suing Island Express Helicopters and the chopper pilot, who was also killed in the crash last January. And her lawsuit states that she wants, quote, hundreds of millions of dollars. Now, while that might sound excessive when you first hear it, the lawsuit says Kobe's future lost earnings would be in that range. And if you think about it, that's got, that's got to be... A difficult point to argue against, right? Yeah. Yeah, yes. I mean, is any is anybody gonna argue her lawsuit? The company she's suing. Well, I'm talking, <laughs> I'm talking specifically about you two. <laughs> like like is can you see any issue with the lawsuit that she is filing? I mean, I guess. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, you can also you can also say no. I mean, that's a perfectly acceptable answer. I'm just trying to see if there's you know uh, anything going on here. You know, with the Vanessa Bryant's lawsuit. And she's suing the company. She's suing the company and the pilot that also passed away. So then it would go to the family of the pilot. No, no, they're being sued. How she's suing someone who's dead? It would be it would the be his estate. estate, yeah. Oh, okay. And then the families and the other passengers who died in the January twenty. Think about think about how innocent the time was back in January twenty sixth, or go back to January twenty fifth, actually, the day before all this went down, and just think of how twenty twenty has gone since then. But they all the other passengers um, who passed away, uh, their families have all filed the, filed their own wrongful death lawsuits. Autopsy did not find any traces of drugs or alcohol in the pilot's system. Witnesses to the crash said the helicopter's engine was sputtering before the crash, while others saw it hit the ground at a fairly significant rate of speed. And it was not clear if the pilot made a distress call distress call before the crash. 
That's going to be an interesting story to follow, see how that all plays out. Because, I mean, she has a solid point on the future earnings of Kobe Bryant. If anybody was proving that they were able to handle life after sport, it was Kobe Bryant. He won an Oscar. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah, for the basketball movie. Mm -hmm. The short that he wrote. It was a, I believe it was the cartoon, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It was a yeah, it was a poem. I think dear that basketball. He did. Yeah, so something you hear frequently is athletes struggling with post playing life because they're so used to that competition. They're so used. Like if you think about, let's take an NBA basketball player and let's retire them at the age of thirty eight. They've probably been playing basketball for at least thirty years. They probably picked it up even sooner when they were three, four, or five. And then you start competition in elementary school, and then it only gets progressive from there. So that's all you've known your entire life. So be able to be able to transition from that competition into a life that doesn't have that. I mean, even some of them have said, too, that they try to get into coaching or other aspects, and it just doesn't quite fuel that same fire that they had while they were playing. It's difficult. And Kobe Bryant was one of those guys where you could tell he was adapting well. Now, it might have been incredibly difficult for him, but that's a tribute to him is how easy he made it look. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he was able to make it look like, oh, I can pretty much do anything. So it's going to be interesting to see how this this lawsuit plays out because not only is Vanessa Bryant, uh, has, has she filed a lawsuit than all the other families of uh, the people who passed away have as well. It's the Buzz Adams Morning Show podcast. Happy Taco Tuesday to everybody. Buzz Lee off today. He'll be back on Friday. And we have no more commercials for the rest of this hour. So we're rolling all the way through. And we're joined by Steve Capitalist, ladies and gentlemen. Thank What's up, you. Cap? What's up? Ah, oh, thank you very much. You're up. Uh, you guys are, uh, you're the ones, you're the stars. I'm just happy to be a part of it. So you were telling me that uh, UTEP apparently has a plan for opening up uh, sports and athletics and fans, right? Yeah. Here's what's happening. Um, starting next week, they're going to go and, and have voluntary training sessions. Okay. And they think that by next Monday, 45 football players are expected to be back on the campus for voluntary workouts. That's almost half the uh, that, it's like half the, mm-hmm. the size of the program. And then the following week, UTEP will add another 30 athletes for other sports that are in the fall, like soccer and volleyball mm-hmm. uh, and more football players. And according to uh, Jim Center, who we spoke to yesterday on the show, the director of athletics for UTEP, Following the 4th of July, like the week after the 4th, they think the majority of the school's football players will all be back on campus. And the winter and spring athletes, those will be the last to come back. So it's going to start with fall, then it's going to go into the spring and the uh, the winter and then the spring. But there's going to be a lot of things that are going to be different uh, for these voluntary workouts. They're going to make every athlete go through not just a physical, but also uh, they're going to all take um, a a COVID-19 test before they're cleared to start working out. And it's going to take about three to five days to get the results. But once the athletes have the results come back negative, 
uh, they'll then be able to start working out. But the weight room, for example, at UTEP, you know, usually the weight room has about 50 people working out at once. Now there's going to be between 15 and 18 people. So they're really going to work on social distancing and uh, doing everything they can to make sure that uh, they don't have any kind of a breakout when the athletes return to campus. And what was it about, uh, you're mentioning the Sun Bowl. Yeah, that's really interesting. So, as you know, a couple of weeks ago, we didn't even know if there was going to be college football. That was the talk. The talk Mm -hmm. was, will they even be playing? And what's going to happen to schools like UTEP that need college football because of the revenue? Well, number one, the Sun Bowl has been um, is in the process of being completed for their renovations. Uh, this has been ongoing for a couple of years now, but they are targeting the beginning of September for the Texas Tech game to have everything in place and ready with an all new, um, you know, east side of the sta- I'm sorry, west side of the stadium, which mm-hmm. is the press box side, and then. Um, as far as capacity goes, because right now, uh, Governor Abbott has uh, gone ahead and said uh, 50% capacity for collegiate and professional venues. When I asked uh, Jim about you know how many fans does he expect uh, to have the ability to put into the Sun Bowl by September, he was saying, well, you know, right now, the way things are going, you would think at least at a minimum 50%, if not more, as long as... As we start to see the curve, um, you know, go down, and and by the time September hits, so uh, they're pretty optimistic that it's not going to be an empty Sun Bowl starting in September for for people to have to social distance. They're hoping that by the time you know the first game hits, that they'll be they'll do well. And one of the things Jim Center said is that if everybody keeps doing a good job in our community and practices social distancing, wearing that, face coverings, that's where it all washing their out. hands, that's where it those. Goes. South. Yeah, well, that's the key. That is going to be the key. Well, let's be. And even you know, let's be he said, let's be completely ahead. honest here. When it comes to UTEP, I mean, when they're talking about, hey, you can have fifty percent capacity in these stadiums, that's an upgrade. Uh, you listen. Here's what I've been telling people. Okay, I've heard that joke for the last. Uh, three and a half months. Well. And everybody says, ah, oh, Utah's been practicing social distancing for years. <laughs> and they show like a picture of the empty Sun Bowl. Well, listen, um, th- that joke a great has... great laugh right there, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. That joke has run its course. <laughs> so I've heard that. I've heard that since the very beginning. It was funny the first time, but um, if I had a dollar for every time I've heard that joke, I'd own the Sun Bowl by now because it's been, it's been said to me so many times. But the truth is, that is correct. You know, they, they've been averaging about 10,000 fans last year per game, and that's nothing because the, the, the stadium holds more than 40. Um, so, but Texas Tech's a big game, and Lubbock will travel for that game. So you would have to figure that because that's the home opener, you know, they've got a chance to get 30,000-plus for that one, depending on all the situations with capacity, how they're going to do it, and, and you know what they're going to allow the fans to, to do as far as showing up and, and being a part of it. So I'm interested to see how this goes uh, in the beginning of September and, and how many fans will uh, flock to the Sun Bowl to watch uh, a college football game. Because remember, that's still three months from now. Mm-hmm. And three months ago was when this thing was first really starting to, um, you know, become uh, a storyline here in the U.S. So, you know, we're, we're at the midway point right now. And, and if you're looking at three months and you've already had, after three months, uh, the Texas governor say, all right, 
fifty percent is the um, you know we're going to allow of pro and college stadiums and arenas to be open at fifty percent. That's after three months. What's going to happen three months from now? What do you think is going to happen? Or do you think that um, are we going to? You think we're going to see a second wave? Do you think we're going to see the curve flatten? What do you think is going to be the case? My gut tells me that we are going to see a second wave for a multitude of reasons. One, I think that when we opened up, it wasn't not it, w- it was not only a little bit too early. I think there was too many people out there who believed, oh, it's over, it's done. They're they're allowing us to get back out there. I don't need to wear a mask. I don't need to abide by social distancing. And then take into account all of the protests that have been happening over the past couple of weeks and the sheer amount of people crammed into such a small area, I see by the end of this week into next week, a a, a spike beginning that is going to be hard to reverse. I hope I'm wrong, but I see that happening. And I think what's going to be difficult for college sports or any sort of athletics where you need fans, if you're not fully quarantining, then it's then there's going to be a problem. I think the NBA is going to do it right, where I think the NBA is going to keep the players and their families on lockdown. They're going to be tested at the very beginning. They will continue to test, but they're going to limit where they can go. It sounds a little bit weird. It sounds a little bit 1984, but... I think that they're going to be watching them like Hawks because they want to make sure they can continue to get these games in because it's one thing if a player tests positive. Let's say Rudy Gobert tests positive. But what if two-thirds of the team ends up testing positive? No, what are right. you going to do you're with right. their games? Are you, I, I, how are you going to react to that? And the only thing that I have heard, and I believe this was from, uh, from Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, is what he said was... We don't think that will happen. And the whole time I'm hearing, I'm like, that's not a plan, though. You know, so like what what will happen? Like, let's say so we've got 22 NBA teams. Let's say one of them, two thirds of these players get hit with COVID-19. You don't have enough to put a team out on the court. So are you just going to forfeit every game? Especially it's one thing if it's happening in these eight, quote unquote, regular season games that they'll be playing. But what if it ends up being in the playoffs? Let's say game one of a series. Are you going to put on hold for two weeks that team, or are they going to forfeit the entire series? And I haven't heard any sort of a valid, um, any, any any sort of a valid plan to. Well, there's no contingencies. That. No, no, there's no contingencies right now. And that's and that and that. By the way, along the lines of of uh, UTEP, that's one of the things that Jim talked about. Also, as he said, you know, we're going to be able to keep a an, a, a good. Uh, we're going to monitor our players here, but. What's going to happen when they're away from campus? And that's the that's the the million dollar question mm-hmm. is, you know, you get all these athletes coming back to town. Will they practice social distancing and just uh, figure out a way to keep themselves isolated when they're not working out or will they go out? And, you know, then he was saying it's almost as if it's a given that we are going to have positive cases. We just have to figure out how we can do the best to contain it the way it is. And it doesn't spread around the area and spread around the campus area. And I thought, you know what, it's a really it's, it's an interesting way of looking at it. Because you can't, 
you can't keep an eye on these on these athletes twenty four seven. You can't. You know they're they're um, adults and and they will be uh, doing what they want to do with their time because this is voluntary. These workouts. This is not mandatory. It's voluntary, and that's going to be interesting also. And then you also wonder, you know, how many uh, college athletes and pro athletes around the country are gonna are gonna say, you know what, I'll skip it a year and I'll come back next year, and or will they uh, or will they all be back in force and and play? I don't know how that's going to work. This is there are so many. Uh, uh, variables that are unanswered right now. Does it also kind of feel like the NFL is just crossing their fingers and hoping that everything works out in their favor? Because we haven't heard a whole lot from them other than, yeah, we're still planning on, uh, like, they, they've given the contingencies or they've given the, the guidelines, I should say, for players returning uh, to the team facilities. Yes. But other than that, they're still kind of like, oh, we're just kind of hoping. I mean, we heard the one plan of the first four weeks of the season were all going to be non-conference games just in case they have to cancel those. They're not as meaningful. And then they came out the next day with the schedule, and that was complete bogus. Right. Well, I'm, again, I think that the, the problem right now with football is football is also three months in advance right now, and they don't know what's going to happen. Again, like we talked about at the start of this conversation, you know, we're, we're, we're at the midway point right now. From beginning of March or mid-March to, uh, what, the second week of June, we are right now three months in. And the NFL will be another three months from now. Mm-hmm. So I think sports is hoping and optimistic that three months from now, the cases will be at a minimum and it won't be anything that's going to put the sports world on hold the way it did this first time around when the um, when it started. I think that's going to be the thing. And hopefully they've got, you know, they'll figure out a way to have uh, you know everything under control by then. But, um, I mean, how can you, it's so, um, this story is so fluid and it changes from day to day, week to week. How can you put plans together when it's impossible to see into the future and know what it's going to be like uh, here, uh, you know, a couple of months from now? Yeah, but the thing is, you can't see into the future, but you should be able to come up with plans if if this happens, we do this. If this happens, mm-hmm. we do this. If, and they're probably doing that behind the scenes. I mean, Roger Goodell is an intelligent man, and the NFL knows what they're doing. That you would hope that they're doing something like that. But then sure. again, it could also look over, you know, like at Major League Baseball. I don't think we're going to have a 2020 season at all at this point. It might not happen. You're right. I mean, it's starting to look like at, at best it might be a 48-game season, and, and that's not even a guarantee right now. So it's crazy to think that baseball could be the only sport that doesn't come back. That's the sport that everybody thought would come back first mm-hmm. before basketball and hockey and all the other sports out there. But no, it's looking now like baseball might be the only one not uh, not coming back. What do the ladies think about this whole conversation since I haven't heard a peep out of, their, uh, you know, out of either of them today? Listen, I wasn't going to go to baseball even if it was here and there was no pandemic. So, I mean, what if Buzz way. buys you the uh, the raffle? <sighs> no. Um, yeah, let's just say I've been to a lot of Chihuahuas games and I usually don't know who wins at the end. So, <laughs> but that's, but I'll you let know, you know what, where the, the tacos thing. are. I'll let you know where the turkey legs are, mm-hmm. where the Dippin' Dots is. But uh, yeah, I cannot tell you who they were playing. But that's the beauty of minor league baseball. You go to have fun. You just go to have a good time. Eat a little bit. Relax. Get out. Have some fun. Be around people. And the actual win, you know, the, the end of the game, that's that's for the fans. That's for, that's for the diehards that follow this stuff on a daily basis. But so many other people just go to have fun. It's a night out. It's a good time. And that's the thing. They don't, you know, if the Chihuahuas win, it's a bonus. But for the most part, as long as they have fun at the ballpark, that's it. Right? And that's kind of it for you. When is the locomotive supposed to be getting going again? 
Is it July? Yeah, tell me about July, that, Steve. See, there you go. July, yes. yeah, you want to get July involved. Let's go locomotive. By the way, I will be uh, interviewing um, Andrew Forrest, who's the uh, general manager of the locomotive today at 420. He's going to be on uh, with me on Sports Talk. <laughs> So that's hey that's my that's the start of my second segment. It's always four twenty. Nice. Right? That's just that's that's just the way. Nice. That's just that's what happens when we'll you do a show from four to seven. Yeah. yeah, there you go. That's, that's the, right. Gonna, so we gonna yes. get high. Um, and that's and that's going to be the uh, you know the conversation we're going to talk about now. July eleventh is the uh, is the date when they're going to uh, start up again. And you know right now based on again the way things are going and and advancing here through the state of Texas the locomotive are planning on on playing and what they hope will be at Southwest University Park by the 11th of July but that's not firmed up yet we got to see how the rest of the league how the USL is going to handle things but you know they announced last week they're coming back and uh, July 11th is the uh, target return date for all the teams so, so hopefully wait, they'll have schedules done soon and figure out how this is going to all work and we'll go from there so July 11th is training for the the teams. They haven't set no. July 11th is yet. the return date. So that that'd be the that's the first game. games. Gotcha. Games will be July 11th. Okay, they just haven't they haven't shored up any sort of a schedule at this point. Correct. We just know that they're shooting for July 11th. Um, let's say right. Rem- and remember this. Remember this. The schedule started. All right. They they started playing in March mm-hmm. and then and and then were just uh, put on hold. So um, it wasn't as if the you know the season never was was underway. It started and then all of a sudden, like a, a week into it, this whole thing hit. So it's crazy. But the, you know the USL was 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 good to go, and then all of a sudden they're here one minute, gone the next. Let's say they get things going July 11th. So that's about a month away. What are the chances you're going to that game? Um. Well, I mean, you know, I'll hang on a second. I'll say this. I would like to see what the what the situation is going to be like because I mean I think that by July 11th we very well could have you know 50 percent in Southwest University Park for that first game. I think there'll be a lot of fans there. I would be I'd be wanting to go check it out and be curious to see how things are and how the atmosphere is and what the fans are like. So just from a sheer curiosity standpoint, uh, I'm I'm looking to to, to, see, to be a part of that. Absolutely. I think I would go. Are you going to give me that press pass? Mm-hmm. Sweet. So we can sure. kind of wander around wherever. Can you give me three? One sure. for the wife and kid, too? Give it a, as a birthday gift. It's the wife's birthday today. So, so you want for, so for her birthday, you want me to get you into the uh, locomotive game on July the 11th? Yeah, sure. All right. Just three, three, three passes. That's good. That's fine. We'll buy our. What, would your um, would your would your wife uh, be upset if uh, you just went with me and the two of us uh, just took the media route to that first game just to check it out, scan it, see how it was? And then I don't think she would family back for the next one. I don't think she would be upset, but she would definitely be disappointed. Um, but at, at some point, we're definitely going to want to go to a locomotive game. We've looked into uh, season tickets actually because um, they're they're reasonably priced, and we have an absolute blast. If you guys, if nobody has been to a locomotive game, Joanna has been though. Joanna, you got to carry one of the flags out, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Wow, that's fun. cool. How'd you do that? Uh, it was part of the Pride Night. Oh, very nice. Okay, good. So you were there for Pride Night? I was. Excellent. It was a good game. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, locomotive games, if you've never been, I, I, I think are some of the funnest times that you can have in El Paso. I think it's a sport that the city fully embraces. And I've said this before, I truly believe that within five to ten years, if they treat the locomotive properly and they get them an appropriate stadium, 
they could easily make the jump to MLS. Like, do, do you agree or disagree with that, Steve? I like the uh, the future for uh, professional soccer in El Paso a lot, okay? Um, but it's tough in the sense that, you know, a lot of these um, MLS soccer-specific uh, stadiums hold 20,000-plus. And right now they're at nine for Southwest University Park. So if they build them a soccer-specific facility uh, for USL, then you're probably not going to go to 20. So the question is, what do you do? Do you build it for 20 or for, for 20 and then hope you get uh, MLS down the road five, 10 years from now? Or do you make it 10 with the ability to expand out to 20 if necessary? Because you almost have to think for the future, don't you? You don't want to pigeonhole yourself and eventually build a soccer stadium for this team and then realize, well, we got to double the capacity because five years later, they might be going to MLS. Yeah, because the MLS is pretty adamant about what their stadiums are like. I know for the Timbers, when they, they made the jump to the MLS, they were sharing the stadium with the Portland Beavers, which was a baseball team. But the MLS said flat out, if you guys want to join us, it's soccer only in this stadium. No baseball is to be played. You have to adjust this. And they did. And it's a, a fantastic stadium. It's an old stadium. It was originally built. Um, good Lord. Uh, I'm actually on the their, the Wikipedia right now. It was originally uh, built in 1926 was when the stadium was built. And it's been renovated for a, a few different times, most recently last year. And they expanded. And I think it's one of the smaller stadiums. It's about 25,000 is the capacity for the Portland Timbers uh, ball field. So I could very easily see El Paso supporting it if it's done right. And if we stop spending money on things like streetcars, you know what I mean? That could be the case. Um, I, <laughs> you know, it's it's funny you mention that, but um, I, I do believe that in time we will see uh, some soccer, some soccer specific stadium for the team. I do. I think that was the plan all along, and it just has to fall into place properly. But I definitely think that that's something that uh, is on Mountain Stars uh, radar, and they're not going to stop until you know they, they have an opportunity to do that. Right now, it's fine. I mean, you know, I've seen other soccer clubs play in baseball. Ball and ballparks, and and it, it does the job for now. But it would be nice if all of the different sight lines and everything was made for soccer as opposed to uh, to baseball. So I agree with you. That is the one downside that you'll get at Southwest University Ballpark because they do have some seating where you can't see. So the goal that is in left field, um, there are some angles where you either can't see down there or it's just difficult. But at least Southwest University Ballpark has the nice big screen that you can look at. So then you can see kind of the action that's going on. It's not ideal, but it's serviceable for now. And ultimately what you want is some sort of a ball, a a true ballpark for the locomotive. I mean, they were pretty successful last year. They had a pretty healthy run into the playoffs. They made it to, was it the semifinals or was it the quarterfinals? Uh, It was the semis. Yeah, they made made the semis and they lost. Final four. Was it, am I remembering correctly? Was it Phoenix they lost to? Phoenix FC? Uh, 
that's a great question. I'm trying to remember who they who they got beat by last year. Um, it might have been, you know, what it might have been Phoenix. That's that's. I should know this. I really should. So thank you for ending this conversation <laughs> on 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 a note that I'm going to be upset with myself about. So I hit the dump um, button. But, we'll know. we'll ignore all of this. This is, this won't go over the airwaves. Uh, but yeah, yeah, so yeah lo- right. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, locomotive. If you can go check them out. So you're saying July 11th. That is going to be the first date back. Uh, before we wrap up the show today, I do want to get to the Facebook chat. Ernie uh, put this a while back. He said on the last segment, this was about 20 minutes ago or 30 minutes ago, he says about the Rage Against the Machine concert happening um, mm. and it would get canceled again because I am the curse. Remember. You like I, they got canceled again? Well, I mean, it, it, got, it got canceled or it got postponed. They're still scheduled oh, okay. for next okay. June. Uh, but what he's saying is basically, I need to back out and not plan on going so the rest of El Paso and the borderland <laughs> Can enjoy it because I am the curse, and you know what? I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to argue that point, Ernie. Do you feel? Uh, do you feel like he's got a valid? Uh, I, think valid I think he has a very valid point. I'm still going to try to go, but mm. you know, I think he does have a uh, a very valid point there. Uh, By the way, Real, Real Monarchs. That was the Salt Lake team beat him in the playoffs. That's so it was. Uh, and then also Rosales says that uh, what are the odds that Buzz shows up on Friday or calls in? I think he's going to show up on Friday. Is he he's, supposed to be here Friday? He's supposed to be here on Friday. At least that's what I was told, is that oh. he, he headed out last Thursday and he's supposed to be here coming up on Friday. And my understanding is that he's going to be here. He normally comes back pretty fired up um, from a vacation. You know how a mm-hmm. lot of people, it takes them a while to kind of get things going again once you're back from a vacation especially one that's a vacation that's about a week long there's times where when buzz leaves and he drives back on a friday or a saturday and his first day back is going to be that following monday he comes in on sunday to work to start prepping now that's the only time he does that but he'll be here a day early uh just to start prepping so cappy thank you appreciate it as always my man good job guys appreciate it and uh (laughs) i love your wife she's so funny We'll uh, hope the locomotive still gets to get things going, man. Same. July eleventh. There's no me? reason. There's no reason why not uh, to think that uh, that will not be the first uh, El Paso sports team back. Yeah. Yeah. No. Cappy's wife just wrote and said, uh, "You watch sports like I watch sports. I'm like I'm only there for the food. That's it, girl." That's the one thing they do have at Southwest University Ballpark. It's mm-hmm. really good food, man. But there are a lot of similarities between the two of you at sporting events. I will just <laughs> leave it at that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Cappy.